the Gardening Hour podcast on BBC Essex with Ken Crowther. Hello, I'm Ken Crowther and this is the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast. Don't forget, you can subscribe to this podcast on BBC Sounds. This week, Mick Lavelle is my special guest taking your calls on everything from grass seed, Kensington roses and apple trees. We've also got some top tips of things you can be getting on with in the garden, plus our plant of the week. We go straight to your calls, and this week we start with Beryl from Leon C. Hello, Ken. Hi. What you got for us today? Ken, our front lawn was badly burnt this year, yeah. and we're going to grass seed it. OK. Well, what is the preparation before you grass seed it? Has it got, my, my questions before Mick gets anywhere with this, is has it got weed and has it got moss? Um, a, a bit of both, a bit of both. But, but a lot or just a little bit? Oh, just a little, not too much. So you wouldn't worry too much, would you, Mick? No, I mean, um, sometimes when the grass gets burnt off, people get concerned about it because grass stops growing when it gets to around about 30 degrees. Uh, most of the temperate grass species, which are the sorts of grasses we grow in um, lawns in the UK, will not function once it gets past a high temperature, so they die back. So if you look at, say, from the end of the summer, the cricket matches in the summer at Lords or whatever else. There was no you'll grass. You'll always see just yellow. It's just all yellow everywhere because the grass can't grow above a certain temperature and watering it won't change it. It should recover usually reasonably well. I think what Ken was saying about the weeds is the problem is in that intervening period when the grass hasn't really grown and it doesn't do much in the winter, um, you get weeds getting in there. They see their opportunity to get in. It might be a bit better to sort of do a general weed and feed and then what you can do is you can get some grass seed as well. Mix it with a little, um, I'll say some, some compost and sand or something like that and do a top dress on it. You really don't need that much grass seed. You don't Very need to, little. Yeah, but it's just enough to make sure that it will, it, if you mix it in with the, the top dress, and mix it, it will go across the surface and it will help to, to firm it all up. And get a general purpose seed mix, something which has got something uh, like a creeping grass in there as well. Agrostis tenuous is the one that's normally in there. But um, you, you just get a, a general, general, um, grass, general seed grass seed mixture for an amenity lawn, for a garden lawn. That should be okay. And then all you need to do is really use a, a springtime rake, mm. uh, Beryl, Scrape, mm. scrape the surface and then apply it because you, mm. that way you've just opened it up a little yeah, bit, haven't yeah. you, Mick? But yeah, but I do. I really do recommend putting, uh, working out the amount you need um, for if, the amount it needs to establish a lawn. You can usually then uh, divide that by half because you're only overseeding it. Mix it in with some, like I say, some compost. So you can buy bags of top dressing if you wish to put, to put onto the lawn, and that way will mean you don't um, sow it too thickly in any one area because that can lead to problems in its own right. If you so, if you sow too much grass seed, it actually uh, starts to get all sorts of diseases and things like that in it. Okay, does that help you? Yes, yes. yes yeah. that, that, all right. That, so that is the best thing to do then. Yep. Well, I, I yep. think so, yeah. Best thing to do, yeah. Okay then, Beryl? Thank you very much. Okay. Bye-bye. Uh, bye-bye there. And we go to Penny from Suffolk. Hello, Penny. Hello. What have, we got, what have you talking about today? Um, right, I've got two... Um, Roses, an Albertine, uh, well, four altogether, an Albertine, two Albertine, two Kensington, hopefully they're climbers, and I've got an archway, and um, and I've got a passion flower, but the passion flower has taken over that arch, and I wondered if I could separate them all now and do it at this time of year. Well, the, the passion flower you can cut back down to the ground if you want, and it will come back from the base. I mean, Lovely. at one time, that was just the way you grew passion flowers, because it was yes. just too cold in Britain to grow them. I yes. think we've had some advances in terms of the variety, yes, not the really varieties, varieties but, the, but the, the hardier they were, they've yeah, been the big selections. Hardier, yeah. yeah. So they, and also it's milder in the winter. You know, we get a, lot, a couple well, of days a of cold. We get a couple of days of cold weather. So, oh, that's winter. I mean, at one time it used to be months and months of cold. So what we're finding now is that you can the passion flowers are staying green uh, yeah. on the top through most yeah. years. Even last year they were. And yeah. so um, I think that what you need to do really is to to cut that back down to the ground and then control it as is needed. You can always trim yeah. bits off it, but it, it won't flower um, until a bit later in the season if you cut it right back to the ground. Sure. But then you can keep it where you want it. Sure, um, thank you. So are these are these roses mixed up with the passion flower? Oh yes, they're all beside. They're all either side. I mean, it's just one, mm. and and there's a clematis as well. In but I don't right. know the name of that one. I is mean, that I'm just, is that I've a, just got a, a bit mad? Right, is the clematis an early flower or a late flower? Do you know? 
I don't know on this one. Because oh. I even forgot I even had it there but, until it came out. And, but and you, it was a lovely summer last year. So are you going to prune your roses as well? Oh, yes, I'm going to have to do you everything. Are. I haven't done well, anything to that no. archway. Well, again, with the roses, you want to look mm. for newish stems. Sure. And cut out some of that old growth to encourage some of the new stems. Yes. Be be quite harsh. You can. Be, I mean, mm. Albertine particularly is a good grower, isn't it? Very I don't vigorous. Know, yeah. I don't know Kensington. I have to be no. honest. I don't know whether it's vigorous Red. or not. Um, um, it's fairly new. It was bought from I don't know Austin's or whatever yeah, in yeah, Norfolk yeah. or wherever it is. Yeah. So so bit, prune the roses. Yeah. Mick said, do the passion flower, and if in doubt with the clematis, just cut all that top scrubby growth off it. Yeah. And yeah. chances are that will flower the, as well. If you cut a clematis back hard, if it's a large flowered, early flowering one, um, they generally come back really well from that. If it's like a Montana type, it won't recover as quickly this year. That's that. a smaller flower, yeah. vigorous one. And, but they will. But next year, it will have pretty much recovered. No, I don't think it's Montana. I think it's quite a delicate one. Yeah. Um, it's, 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 unless, Be a bit careful with it then. Yeah. The, the only thing we can say, if, if in the time the show's on, if you were able to send a picture of it in... We could look at it. Uh, we could, if you've got a picture of it, of it from last year, we could have a look at it and we can maybe tell you what it is. Although oh, there's yeah, loads yeah, yeah. of different parameters. Uh, you can send it by <clears throat> email or yep. you can send it at ken.crowther at bbc.co.uk. Oh, easy. Yep, OK. All right, we'll have a look and see what we can come up with for you. Lovely, lovely, but I should, I should sort of... Um, Stray them out a bit. I mean, you know, or splay them out a bit. These uh, roses, because they're all sort of um, bunched together, aren't they? And that's particularly mm. use the new growth because the new growth yeah. is softer, and you should better bend that and curve it so yeah. that it then produces the, more. Yeah, flour. this time of the year it might snap if you try and do it too much. But if you yeah. um, in the autumn about about September, you can mm. bend these stems around really easy, just where you want them, and then take out all of the previous growth. So you, you've got to do a bit of planning. Pruning's all about planning. It's not just yeah. about reacting. Exactly. Okay. Lovely, lovely. How do, you get, how do you keep grey squirrels off everything? Uh, <laughs> if, if I knew the answer to that, I would be sunning myself in my villa somewhere, having made millions. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you, Penny. Thank Good. you. Good to hear people from across the eastern region. But don't forget that this programme is on a uh, on the Sounds app. That's the BBC yeah. Sounds app. And you have to look under Ken Crowther because it's not under gardening yet. Well, I know we've got at least one person listening in Blackpool today. So. Well, there you go, you see. <laughs> Let's go to Colin now. Colin's in Harwich, just up the road. What can we do for you, Colin? Oh, hi, Ken. Hi, hi Mick. Nice, hi, nice to speak to you again. Um... Oh, isn't everything going crazy? I've got broad beans and peas just starting to flower. Yeah, it's, it's crackers <laughs> at the moment, isn't it? Well, I, I hope they make it through and give us a nice crop nice and early. Um, Ken, the, the reason I phoned, I have um, brought myself my long-awaited retirement present of a 10 by 12 greenhouse, and I've yet to put it together. Now... I'm of a quandary what to do with the thawing of it, whether to cement it over and go for tubs and things, or whether to use soil, just the ordinary garden soil, to grow me tomatoes and cucumbers. And and this will be interesting. What, does, what would Mick do? I wouldn't use concrete on the basis that um, if you decide you want to move your greenhouse, you've got a concrete slab there. I'd what just I would do. Pass down the middle? I'd put um, some maybe some geotextile down or something like that, where, where I wanted a hard surface and a bit of, um, hard, maybe a little bit of hardcore and some sand, put some, um, Slab some slabs down on it. And um, uh -huh. you can always then put some geotextile down over the soil. Would you grow in not the soil using. each side? I would be tempted to, but it would so depend, because you, you can leave the option there. So you can always put down a geotextile on top of that. Yeah, if you want to grow containers, I would say a geotex, so you get the woving stuff, and the trade yeah. name is something yeah. called Mipex, because you can get it from garden centres. Landscape membrane. Yeah, so mm. there's always, there'll be several um, uh, see, options for you I think you what there. I'd do is use the soil, mm. maybe this year, mm. enjoy yeah. the use of the soil, improve it, obviously, because it's going to be garden mm -hmm. soil, and then if you found that really didn't work for you, then as 
Mick says, then you can put your membrane across it and mm. put grow bags, tubs, etc., can't you? Yeah, I mean, it's always better. Don't close doors in the garden if you can help. Which it would be concrete. Yeah, and you've got to <laughs> yeah. remember, you've got to then, if you're going to put concrete down, you've really got to put some reinforcing mesh down into it and a proper sub base under there, or else it's in dangerous sort of uh, subsiding and cracking and being not a good base on there. And then when you come to get rid of that, that's a devil's own job because you've got this great big slab of reinforced concrete there, you know. So mm-hmm. I say great big slab. I mean, it's something we say it's an eight by fourteen. Did you say your house? But I mean, that's still a lot of concrete if you had to move that. So I yes. would, I would tend, and just the sort of the, in, the involved process of um, of trying to get the concrete down there. I mean, you could, you, if anything, you could put a couple of spots of um, concrete foundations on the corners where your corner pieces are going to go, just to make sure that stays steady. But I mean, other that's than that, it. yeah. I wouldn't right. really worry. Does that help you, Colin? Yes. The, the, the only thing I was worried about is, I mean, I can use the soil and change it each year with fresh soil from somewhere else in the garden. But I was, I was a little worried if I used the soil, whether I would have problems with pests and bugs and diseases and things like that. Because no, be, I don't um, think any no. more than you would no. if, you were, yeah. if you were using a compost. Uh, I was going to yeah, say exactly that. The, the only thing you might get is you might get a build-up. If you're growing tomatoes in the same soil every year, for instance, you might get a build-up of things which mm. are, would easily and readily attack tomato roots, same as if you don't rotate any crop. Uh, the way oh, to get across that is to use grow bags yeah. or something like that. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. I mean, really, when it comes down to it, most things fly into your greenhouse or they're brought in on something which you put in. You buy something and it's got a pest on it or someone gives you something more like it. And um, you take the pest into the glass house that way. So it, the, yeah. the flying pests are by far the bigger problem. Can you, Colin, keep in touch and let us know how you get on with your greenhouse when it's erected oh, and what you're going to grow in it, OK? Thank you very much, Ken. That was very useful. Plant of the week this week is not so much a plant... Well, yes, it is a plant, but it's a beautiful plant flowering everywhere at this time of the year from a corm. Yes, crocus here, there and everywhere. Well, where'd they come from? Well, I'll tell you what, the Roman emperor first was found them and they were next first seen in 1560 in the Netherlands, which was said to have been through the Romans. By 1620, there were new garden varieties in a sort of creamy colour and bronze. They're a tubular-shaped flower, and today many are white, maroon, soft shades of maroon, lilac colour, and they have a grass-like leaf. They have three stamens in the flower. The first ones to flower are Crocus tomentosa, and they are a delicate sort of flower, softer, smaller, and then, of course, the large Dutch varieties come in a bit later on. When do they start flowering? Well, they start flowering from February and can go through till end of April. They really are very attractive indeed. They like sunny, dry, well-drained positions. They need to be planted about three to four centimetres deep. Uh, They don't like heavy soil. And if you plant them in heavy soil, add some grit. Um, Look out for those hybrids when you're buying them in the autumn to plant in your garden. As I say, White World Purple is a great one and Ruby Giant. And these two actually are very good because they actually seed prolifically. So if they're seeding prolifically, that means that they will spread across your garden. How do you put them in the garden? Well, if you want them in the lawn, you peel back the turf. You then spread them in with a bit of compost, possibly, and then cover the turf back over. Um, Best planted in the autumn, but you can buy them at this time of the year in the green and plant them in lawns, pots, beds, anywhere you can get crocus because it brightens up the spring. So come on, get out there, buy a few in pots this year and then go to your garden centre in September next year and buy loads more bulbs and get them in your garden. Red onion sets, is it too late to set can they be still set in the garden? Yeah, red onion, it's, 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 it's the perfect time to it set. It used to be Red Brunswick, but I think there might be improvements on Red Brunswick now, I think. I think there's, well, there's several, What you've there. got with um, most vegetable varieties, you've got those sort of sterling old favourites. So like with tomatoes, onions, things like that. So you can always get things like Sturran and Ailsa Craig and all these other real old favourite ones. And then you've got a whole host of new varieties and F1s and things like that. 
which will last maybe about five to eight years before you never ever see them again in the catalogue. And uh, so we do get um, uh, some you know, sort of new varieties, which are worth trying. But I would always say try an old-fashioned favourite that you know you can grow and try something else against it, because if it doesn't work, the other one, you can just bin that and get something else next year. But the now, answer is yes, you can it, put them in Absolutely. There, and I would give a tip on this one. you got a tip one. on that one, yeah, haven't you? Yeah. Um, when, when I, I haven't got allotment at the moment. When I had an allotment, the when birds used to always come uh, nip out the, um, yeah. the uh, onion sets. And so I set, started setting them off in module trays, little uh, small trays. Like just get the root growing and then pop yeah. them in. And then you put them in, and that just gave enough purchase for them to, to stay in the ground. Because the... The birds actually don't seem to, um, to to want to eat them. We're not. It's not like they're eating the onions, but for some reason they just chuck them about. You know. So if you got vandal sparrows on your allotment, you know you, that's my tip. But start them off in uh, module trays. They are. It's as simple as that. Start them off in module trays. Hope that helps you, Pauline. And uh, I'm going to just nip back to. Uh, an email and we talked about email just now didn't we and we've got one here from 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 roger hardington now roger hardington he's he's saying here just to remind that phone number 0800 4041 line free at the moment four to five years ago rescued a hibiscus plant from a neighbor now they're not the easiest plants are they no in a 12 inch diameter 11 inch deep pot first couple of years remained quite dawn but since then each summer it has performed well lovely large blooms no idea what it is. It's basically been in the same soil all the time with no disturbance. I stand it in a tray, keep it constantly wet, and it seems to like, drink well and feed a bit of tomorite. At the end of the season, I overwinter it in my cool greenhouse. This time of the year, I cut back last year's growth. So when spring has sprung, I remove it, place it in its favourite position, which is relatively sheltered position in full sun. Should I put it in a larger pot with new compost? And if so, what type? Would it prefer to be in a pot or would it be okay to plant directly into the flower bed? Now... Um, obviously, it's a bit difficult to judge because um, we've got what we've got to do here is got to know exactly what we're talking about, isn't it? Really, because uh, yeah. uh, Roger is then saying, you know, he's talking also about an apple. Now, I'm, I'm trying to see which because the problem is if it has if it's if it's a not known variety, we won't know whether it's hardy or not hardy. Now he's been mm. treating it hasn't he, as a non-hardy at the moment, hasn't he? Yeah, I mean, he's bringing it into cold glass houses then. So, I mean, it's not, not really something which is going to be uh, one of the sort of tropical hibiscus, say, for instance. No. Um, that said, um, some hibiscus, like hibiscus uh, serechius, is actually um, very, very hardy and can be grown outside all the time. There are some other relatively hardy ones, which are sort of, it's a sliding scale. And so... Um, and there's also a few other things which look a lot like hibiscus, which are no longer classed as hibiscus. So I think this so, one is yeah. better treated as half-hardy, as he has been doing. Yeah, unless you can get find out what it is. But, I mean, as, as to the pot, um, really, the question has to be, because he's moving that pot. Right? Now, I would sort of think about this from a purely common-sense point of view. Because if I've got a plant which I'm going to keep for the duration, none of us get younger as nope. the years go by. Pots don't get lighter as you get older. <laughs> so I would suggest really not um, potting it on necessarily unless it really is pot bound, really desperately getting the roots out the bottom. And you'd see the roots coming out the bottom yeah. anyway, wouldn't you? But what you could do is scrape off the, um, the compost at the surface and get some compost and maybe mix in uh, a slow-release fertiliser. I mean, a temperature-release one would be ideal. I mean, the resin-coated fertilisers are great because you get up to nine months' worth of fertiliser out of them, which is when the plant needs it. So I would uh, maybe just scrape off some of the uh, the top and top dress it uh, if it really isn't struggling in the pot. If it's looking like it's struggling, you can always put it into just a slightly bigger one. But the problem with repotting and repotting and repotting, in the end, you have to hire a crane to move the thing. So just <laughs> scrape the top off, give it a bit of it, and use what, John Innes number... Or, I would or I'll a, tend to say use a John Innes, yeah, but, but a John Innes number three. But like I say, you can always put a yeah. little bit of extra, um, uh, like I say, one of the resin-coated fertilisers, a couple of brands available. Uh, you could sometimes buy them, uh, about five, a little pot of them, the sort of thing you put in your hanging baskets, and I would recommend putting something like that in there. Okay, now we will be also dealing with, we've got a question on a Braeburn apple, which we'll deal with in just a moment. But we'll go back to the phones to talk to David from Great Bardfield. And David, what have you got? What are you growing in your garden this year? No, I'm not growing it in the garden. I'm going to test your brains on detouras. Yep. What about detouras? Which? Well, last year I had one, and it grew to about eight foot high. Right. Which in made me impossible to get it in the greenhouse because you know they're very soft. 
Right, okay. So I, I chopped the big lamp off the top. Yep. And uh, I didn't get a lot of bloom, to be honest with you. But the bit I cho- chopped off the top, I dipped in um, some growth stuff and stuck it in the ground, and that grew and all. But right. what I'm asking you about, do, uh, do you say that you should prune detours? Right. Now, I want to find out whether it is a detour. Yeah, no, so is, is it a... Are, the, are the blooms uh, uprightish or drooping completely? Drooping. It's a Brugmansia. It's a Brugmansia. Yeah. 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 Which used to be classed as Datura, but yeah. they, they've changed they, its name. That they're, they're shrubby <laughs> and they are a bit different. They're much more tender. Datura is um, the, the commonest one you see is the thorn apple, which is sometimes a, a vagrant weed. Very like. pretty, though, aren't they? They are, yeah, and, and uh, certainly yeah. we, we grow Brugmansia coccidia out in the grounds at the uh, the university, and um, we have to protect it in the winter. So could yeah, you? Can you? You can prune this as a shrub, I can't you? Get it in the greenhouse. Mm. Right. So I had to now you, lop if you, the top off. It's in a pot, yeah? Well, if you, if you cut the top pot, off and bring yeah. it in for the winter into a cold greenhouse, you have to cool it down. But you can yeah. prune them. Yeah, you can put it in a shed when it comes down to it, but you, you, you cool it down and then you dry it off a little bit. So it doesn't really need any light in the winter, ironically, um, but it will need some light this time of the year. So you, if, you, if you've got it in a shed, you then need to bring it to a conservatory or a, a greenhouse to start now, it back into growth. it's in a greenhouse. Again. Oh, okay, yeah, the yeah. top of the detours, uh, how can I say, it's all shriveled and manky. Well, well cut those bits off. Wait, <laughs> wait. Yeah, can I chop this? Hang on. Wait till it starts mm. shooting. Right. And then cut back to mm. a bud that yeah. is shooting. Now, the right. other important thing, that if you've got a Brugmansia, or, yeah, what you need to do is you need to get some com- scrape the compost off again and mm. give it some more compost, and you will have to feed it on such a regular basis. They yeah. are hungry, hungry feeders. Yeah, that's, oh, yeah, that's why we tried, we tried growing them outside. Yeah, because that's what I needed to know. Mm. And that's why you won't get as much bloom unless you feed and feed. Quite honestly, okay. you could feed them every week. Yeah. Fertilizer or yes, I do. Or I would, this, this, no, for, no, not many. First, at the beginning of the year, put in, if you're top dressing it, I don't know if you heard what I said before about the, the email, put some um, uh, resin-coated fertilizer or some that in there or slow-release fertilizer to give it a bit of a I boost. See. And then for the first few weeks, just like a houseplant food, you know, there's, there's quite a few of them also usually with names that claim something that will happen to the plant, but as a general purpose um, plant food. And then once you start to get flower buds appearing, which won't be till around about June most years, uh, then you can start with the tomato feed because that's got a lot of potassium in there and that will really encourage um, a lot more flower bud to be produced. Okay, right. thanks for your okay. help because uh, it was... Um quite expensive to buy and it got quite leggy you know what i mean when you yep, get yeah. the eight foot in the air no they'll get bigger it. they'll get bigger than that they get happy. bigger and bigger so <laughs> keep it pruned keep it fed and you'll have a lovely display indeed so they are that's david from great barfield who gave us a call on 0800 111 4041 you're listening to the gardening phone in here on bbc essex with mick lavelle from Rittle university college and ken crowther well, he's just Ken Crowther, isn't he? He talks gardening all his life, I think. Uh, let's go. Uh, are you are you hearing things, Mick? Anybody? Are you? He's having a bit of trouble I'm with his a headset. Bit of technical issues here. There's technical issues with his headset at the moment. And but um, well, we'll move on to John in Brentwood. And John in Brentwood, we're going to talk about a couple of things, aren't we, John? Yes, please. Morning, Ken and Mick. Morning. Um, first off, hibiscus. You were just talking to somebody about one. We were. And I heard him say, which you didn't say anything about it, but I heard him say he'd pruned it. Now, no, I no, hang on, hang on, no, jump backwards. No, the we said that a Datura or Brugmansia you can prune. Uh-huh. Um, we were talking about, um, we were talking before that, we were talking about hibiscus, and really, it depends on the hibiscus yeah. whether you would prune them. Because if it's a if it's one of the sort of the outdoor ones, the shrubby ones, they don't like too much pruning. Do no, they? No, leave them alone. Yeah. So but, which but, but, which hibiscus have you got? Yeah, no, then, I've John? got an outdoor purple one. Yeah, and I've that, just taken a couple of branches off close to the trunk. The thing with the outdoor one, the blue flower one, is you really mm. you're better off not pruning it. 
if you're removing something that's in the way, I mean, that's yeah. really that's kind of okay because the um, you know you, you're shaping it up where you want it. But try not to take too much off it. They don't they don't react well to pruning. But the rest oh. of the growth on there, which hasn't been pruned, will carry on growing as if it hadn't been pruned. Right, um, right. So, Just keeping yeah. on hibiscus for a second. Yep. Do they have much of a root system? I've got a seedling which is about three or four foot high, about three years old. Will that move? Yes, I it should do. Yeah, it. yeah. Might not be true though to the same colour, might it? Yeah, I mean. It, 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 can't tell. You can't tell until it flowers, yeah. And they're a bit slow to get to flower. They take about um, five, six years. Five, six like, years, yeah. yeah. It but, I mean, will yeah. come up fairly easy. Oh, yes, ah, yeah. Well, we say if it comes up fairly easy. It depends really on, uh, you, on the you soil and your soil. And, and, after and um, you know, and, well, how, how I'm sure you're a very vigorous and uh, adept with a spade, you know. But it, it, yeah. it should come up is the point we're making, yeah. Right, apple trees, last one. Um, how much longer can I continue to cut the odd branch off this time of the year now you have to, you best to stop yeah. when the buds start to burst oh right oh as long as that you can keep going until the buds yeah, burst really. yeah. if what you're trying to do is you're trying to do it in the dormant period yeah. that's it isn't it Mick? yeah i mean uh, what really with the it's uh, apples are all about shaping up the, uh, the growth form to whichever <clears throat> sort of form you're trying to grow them in whether it's a pyramid a sort of goblet shape a cordon step over whatever it is you're trying to grow them but you're trying to encourage the formation of spurs on the on on branches which only occur, only start to um form when the branch is about two to three years old you get these uh, strong flowering spurs so what you're getting out is any sort of um whippy growth or sort of uh, displaced growth anything like that that's not really uh, maintaining the form of it you can take that out you can take out even reasonably big branches if that's yeah. necessary. I mean, I'm not saying it's a great idea unless you have to. Um, have and you to. can do that all the way through the, uh, the as Ken says, through the winter. Um, yeah. Don't try and take too much off in any one go, though, in one year, because you get a lot of reaction growth, which is like these long, thin water shoots, which which then uh, come, which you'll have to um, to deal with for a couple of years following that. So. Right. Okay. okay. Thank you very much. Not a problem. That's a pleasure. And we now go to... Oh, hang on. I'm going to pop this one in, actually, because we've got a Red Robin question here. Uh, but before that, I'm going to just pop in a text. Text is on 8133. Start the, with the Essex. Can I use Growmore on the lawns? And that's David from up in Ipswich in Suffolk. Yes, you can. Uh, and, but, uh, but it's not it the can, best. It can burn yeah. can't it, if you're not careful with it. Like I said, I first came across this. I'd never really used our lawn. I, when I was a student up in uh, Yorkshire, as a, as a Lancashire man, I took the, uh, the, the unthinkable and went to Yorkshire to go to, uh, to do my uh, qualifications. <laughs> and um, oh. uh, yes, uh, and um, uh, there's a guy, a farmer locally, who uh, did his garden. Me, me and my now wife did his garden for him. And um, he one day he said, the lawn's looking good, isn't it? I said, yes, I'll put grow more on it, he said. Put grow more on it. A lot of people do, because it's cheaper. It's really cheap. And, of course, you know, a typical Yorkshire farmer, he wasn't going to waste any money in order to get for maximum value. I so think. he was using the grow more that he used on the farm. Probably, yeah. Yes, of he, course he, he was. bought a sack of it, yeah. <laughs> now, the thing is, you've got to spread it nice and thinly. No, no stripes or anything like that. You've got to spread it really evenly. Get a broom. It doesn't have to be a bees and broom. You don't have to go out and buy it. You just get a, a stiff, stiff broom. broom and brush it all in to make sure it's in there and water it and make sure it stays watered for a week or two afterwards if it doesn't rain because that's what Ken said. It can burn, burn them. Otherwise. Yeah. And it, it really on, will. It yeah. sits on the stem and it will yeah, burn it. Yeah. So you only want to make sure it's well watered into the soil. But yes, you can. It's uh, it's perfectly feasible to. I mean, no doubt anyone listening from uh, any of the large lawn care uh, products uh, specialists will be slapping their heads saying, God, God, God I'll damn be in trouble. <laughs> Fancy saying that. Fancy saying that. <laughs> getting letters at work, yeah. So. But yeah, you, you can do it. But it's not, it, the, 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 what I would say is formulations which are specifically tailored for lawns are just that, they're specifically tailored for lawns. So, I mean, if you, you, you can use it, but you've got to work hard using it. Back to your gardening questions in a moment, but right now on the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast, we've got some top tips on things you could be getting on with in the garden this week. Mick, what's your first tip? Well, this time of the year, it seems funny to be thinking about roses, because, of course, roses are the sort of delight of many gardeners in the summer. But it's an ideal time for thinking about roses. If you've got them already and you want them to look at the best, Beginning of March is one of the best times of the year to prune That's them. That's the time. I yeah. agree with there. Yeah, so um, and prune them back um, hard now. You can prune them back much harder than if you're a, a, a seasoned February pruner. We have to leave them a bit longer. You get better and stronger flowers because of it. And if you want roses, but you haven't got them, especially if you're on a clay soil, March or beginning of March is the perfect time to plant them. 
And you can still buy them bare root, can't you? In yeah, I mean, I think so. I, I would always tend to go for bare root if you can. Um, but either if you go for the packets, or say, or if you actually just go mm. straight to a supplier or something like that. To you know, one of these suppliers, there are suppliers in uh, Essex that will supply these there for you. There are several, and um, just just get them into the ground. But like I say, clay soil is. Um, Often seems unpromising, but it's perfect for roses. Do you add a bit of compost in the soil that you put back? I mean, I don't just dump compost round them. It's no. mix it in with the clay, my, isn't it? My my tip really is: it's um, if you haven't been out with a spade and the manure already, dig and uh, manure or compost the whole of the bed that you're going to plant them into. Don't just put it into the, the pit itself, because what you do is effectively you make like a pot in the soil, which becomes a bit over-friendly. The roots don't want to leave it, and they spiral around. You don't really get the sort of drought resistance and things that you really want from them uh, later in the year. So get that manure down right underneath them, but get it across the whole of the, uh, the site. And if you, if you want something else as well as your roses, put some herbaceous perennials in as well. You could do that as well. But yeah. just staying on the roses, worth giving them a good feed, isn't it, with a good rose feed? Yeah, for established roses, if you're pruning them, make sure that you um, you give them a good feed afterwards. And it's obviously uh, feed them before you mulch them. This is one of the things. People put mulch down thinking, oh, March oh, is a great time work, to mulch. And then they think, oh, I should have fed them. You know, it's a bit like um, pulling your blankets across and then trying to get into bed. You know, <laughs> you've got to do it the right way around. So you, you make sure you get that feed down. And use a good sort of slow-release one, something like, you know, uh, hoof and horn, flesh, uh, fish blood and bone. Th- these are ideal because they're released over a, a period of time and the roses will get the best use out of them. Now, you mentioned herbaceous plants. So yes. is it a good time for that as well? As I know, that's tip number two, is it herbaceous? Well, yeah, herba- <laughs> it brings me very neatly onto that, doesn't it? Yeah, obviously... This time of the year, herbaceous plants are a brilliant time to um, to renovate an herbaceous border. You can individual plants can be lifted and divided. I mean, my tip has always been to gardeners and to the generations it seems now students have taught is that you should put plants with similar requirements together. Now, with herbaceous plants, if you've got an herbaceous border, if they all need lifting and dividing around about every four or five years, you can actually take them all up at the same time. Clear the weeds, get some um, dig it, get so dug and get some manure into it, and then replant them. Dividing them is nice and simple in most cases. Two ways you'll do this: two forks back to back and push them together, uh, or you, if in case of some of the big thick rhizomatous uh, herbaceous plants, you have to maybe get a, a, a knife onto them. You can do it with a spade. I, should that's, say. I hate to say it. That's how I do it. <laughs> I do it with a spade. That's because yeah. we're very skilled with spades, of course, Ken. You know, of so course. if you're not too sure that you can chop it perfectly, um, get a, a, an old kitchen knife onto it. Don't get the, uh, the best kitchen uh, silverware out of it. And of then course. Plant, plant them in groups. Yes, I, I would say that it really is a, a, a sort of a good time to do that now. I mean, plant, plant them in groups of threes, fives, or sevens because then you don't get the sort. They don't all end up standing like soldiers in a row in the garden, sort of thing. And of course, when you're planting them, come on to tip number three. Of course, now is that it's um, even if you've got established herbaceous or if you've just planted them, now is the time to put the supports in when there's absolutely nothing growing. And you might think, well, that seems odd. I'll support them when it starts to grow. What you want is you want the plants to grow up and to support, to attach them to the supports, tie them onto them or let them grow through supports if you're putting arching supports over them to make sure that the, it hides them so the plants look like they're standing up on their own. Thanks very much there, Mick. The Gardening Hour podcast on BBC Essex with Ken Crowther. Now we go back to the phones on 0800 111 We talk to Jenny from Eastwood about your red robin, Fertinia red robin, yes? Good morning, Ken and Mick. Um, yes, I've got a red robin in the front garden. It's about six foot high, been in there for quite a few years. Um, it's looking rather sad. It's got some new shoots coming. Um, on one side of it, the leaves are fairly green and don't look too bad. The other side of it, they're looking a little bit greeny yellow colour. Um, I, do, I know it's probably not a good time to cut it now because of the new growth, but um, I don't really know what to do with it, whether to sort of get rid of it or try well, you, and you, nurse it You can it cut it now, but I mean, um, the thing is, you, you really need to get out there and do it now. Right? Oh, because otherwise, because otherwise, you will, the, the new growth will start. The plant will start to put a lot of its energy. If it, if it hasn't already. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, well, you, I mean, it, it's shooting. I wouldn't say it's sort of fully out in the red. Yeah, so so you could do that. But when we see some of the leaves are very yellow on it. Um, well, one side they, of the plant, one side of yeah. the plant seems the whole, the whole side of the plant seems the leaves don't look as healthy as on the other side. Do they have any dark spots on the leaves? 
Well, some because you do get this sort of rusty thing on red robins. There's, don't there's you? a yeah. virginia leaf spot, yeah, which yeah. is which can normally it's um it's all over them. But I mean that that no, could it's be... just like one half seems to look look more poorly than the other, you know. But um, I mean, should I be feeding it now? Because I, I I did last year to feed it yeah, with this, this liquid seaweed stuff. That's yeah, good. well, I mean, you can That's put it on now. Yeah, I mean, probably before you even start that, because until the plant goes into fully into growth, mm. it's not taking up that much nutrient. So right. I would put something down like um, some fish blood and bone, hoof and horn. All right, yeah. Just a general, okay. any other general purpose fertilizer. But, but, but I could cut the top. I could cut a few inches off the top. Yeah, I mean you can give it a bit of a trim up. I mean always, tr- you'll see where the buds are. Trim it down to just above a bud, mm. and uh, try try and do a neat job on it. Um, right. It will, it will. The new buds will shoot red just the same as the old ones. But if it's really started into growth, obviously don't. But if it's only just starting, you can still mm. do it. But it might be a job for the weekend. Do it today rather than tomorrow. You don't want to be out yeah, the window. Right. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> then. Thank you, gentlemen. Thanks for your okay. help. Not a problem. That's a pleasure. Bye. Bye. Uh, that's Jenny from Eastwood who gave us a call on 0800 111 You're listening to the gardening phone-in here on BBC Essex on FM. DAB and, of course, the BBC Sounds app where you can pick up on the podcast anytime you like. And the podcast, you have to look for Ken Crowther because that's the only place you'll find it. Um, but you get tips and also Plant of the Week as well. So there are plenty going on and you can give us a call 0800 4041 just as John from Waltham Abbey has called. You're talking apples, is that right, John? Um, yeah, actually, morning, Ken. Morning, Mick. Um, morning. Is this, uh, Thursday night, there was a very interesting programme on BBC Four. It was Chris Beardshaw, and it was about the history of apples. Yep. Um, and it was called uh, Apples uh, British to the Core. And it really got inside um, how things have developed over the years. I just thought it was worth bringing up, because anybody who's interested in apples and might have missed it, it's obviously going to be there on catch-up. And it was yeah, well you can watch on the watching. iPlayer, yeah. yeah. And, and in fact, Chris Beardshaw is one of the... Uh... Uh, a better presenter, isn't he? Because he's a very, he's a great, he's quite a good, he's a good he is, horticulturalist. Yeah, yeah. He's, isn't he's, he? he's yeah, sort I of think known he initially. Had, um, oh. Gardener's World at some stage. Hmm. Yeah, he, he was initially known for for his like wildlife gardens and he things was. like that. But actually, he's, um, he, he did uh, an excellent uh, series of, of um, uh, different sort of on soil and things like this. So yeah. And um, he, he does. He presents the facts. As someone who's worked in horticulture education for the last 25 years, I'm only really interested in people who present the facts about horticulture. Because and he so, does. Yeah, because there's so much sort of um, hocus-pocus about things, <laughs> which is nonsense, you know, because people are just pretending it's one thing that's working, when actually the, the simple fact of the matter is some things work, some things don't. Um, so I've seen that one before, the, well, the, um, the Apple one. I think it's, it was repeat when it was on in a week. I've seen, I've, I have right. seen it before. It's, it's very, very well presented. But, yeah. but, John, you know, that's what is good about this programme. You've just rung up and said, I watched it. Yeah. I found it really interesting. And people, as you quite rightly say, in today's world, we just go back and we can look up pretty well anything, just that I'm talking about podcasts of this programme. And that's what has happened in the world. We can go back, we can look at that Apples programme, and you've possibly reminded several people, in fact, several that are even writing to us about yeah. Apples on this programme yeah. today, John. Yeah, you don't I even have to tape it anymore. Program. Sorry? I would recommend that programme yeah. to anybody. And as long as you recommend ours as well, we're fine, aren't we, John? Indeed, yeah. <laughs> yeah you download the podcast. Yours. Everybody's listening, aren't they? <laughs> I hope so, John. And thank you, thank you Cheers, very much. Thank, thank you, you very much. That's nice to hear from John on that because that's that's an int- it's what I'm saying is spreading the word is what about this program is about. Mm. And I'm going to go back to um, a, a Roger Hardington who said um, another. He's got a question about Braben apple. Had a Braben apple label on it. He, again, it was one that he rescued. Uh, he, he says it's been grafted. I can see the graft on the picture. He tended to it, which it took into life. Um, it did to his surprise. Last summer, he got a, a fairly reasonable crop, three or four doubles and trebles, which eventually fell off, leaving two single apples, which got reasonably big, but the taste wasn't great. Uh, can we suggest pruning? Well, in fact, if you look at the picture that he sent us, it's not actually in bad shape. It's got branches all the way up, so you Mm. either decide that you're going to grow it as a bush, which you could, because it's about five foot high, isn't it, the tree at the moment? Well, but possibly even six. Even six. There's a close board fence behind. That's probably. You either grow it as a bush, or you take the bottom uh, branches off and grow it as a a top top fruit tree. Yeah. Uh, Would you 
I don't, I don't know, and I can't remember whether Braeburn is a tip bearer or a spur bearer. Now that's the only difference. Yeah. So would you thin it out, or would you take the bottom off? What did you, what would you do, Mick? Because I'd be inclined to leave the side branches. Yeah, gen- generally speaking, I don't think there's that many problem with most of the side branches. It look like a couple of them looking at the uh, the picture of thin and that, wispy. That are well, it's good that, and also a couple of them are growing into each other and crossing. I mean, the, the trick with any fruit tree is to try and make sure if, if you look down a. From the top, looking down, it should be like the spokes of a wheel. They shouldn't be crossing over each other. So cut those out. Yeah. So anything which is going back into the uh, the main framework, get rid of those. And just would try you and... cut them back by a third or a quarter, or would you leave well alone? Do you think? Uh, the age of this tree, I'd be tempted. I'd leave it to, alone. Uh, I wouldn't really do too much with it at the moment. No. What about the top? Would you reduce the top to keep it in its shape? Um, depends how you're going to pick the things. Uh, I mean, my my tip is if you're going to pick them by reaching up. Put your hand up as high as you can reach. Don't want to be any higher than that. <laughs> I would be inclined. There's about three branches at the top, aren't there? Yeah. Um, I would be inclined to three or four or five branches at the top. Mm. I would reduce some of those by yeah. about a third. Yeah. And I hope that helps you because that should give you a chance of getting a reasonable Braben apple. Now, staying on, I'm going to stay on apples before I go to Scott, who's given us a call, 0800-111-4041, because there's another one here. It said it's from Shelley in Ashingdon, and she says she's got two apple trees. Um, two apples were rotten, but I don't know how old the apple trees are. I pruned them down lightly. Is there anything I can do to prevent them from going rotten again? I think she's talking about she's got two apple trees, but the the fruits went rotten. It sounds like brown rot to me, doesn't it? Possibly, to you? yeah. I would have thought so. Yeah, there's um, which the, the main thing with brown cure, rot, yeah, yeah, you just got to sort of try and keep the, the hygiene around the tree. But even then, it's it's just one of those. But things, that's yeah. all you can do. Yeah. And important. So Shelley, the important thing is that a you shouldn't have any leaf on the ground from that tree now at all. Mm. It should have all been removed. Any rotten apples, and as they rot on the tree, you remove them yeah. straight away and get rid of them off site because the spores will stay in the ground mm. and they will come back onto the tree. Yeah, it's I mean, cleanliness. There's yeah, nothing it is. else. Is it's, it? it's hygiene's the only thing you can do. And, and people say, "What can I spray on it?" And you say, "Well, what would you? What pesticide would you spray on your salad just before you ate it?" If you're going to eat it, don't start spraying things on it. You just oh. got to try. And if you and really there isn't anything, yeah. there's nothing available. Exactly. And if you're having trouble with that variety, maybe try and get another one. Yeah, there's yeah nothing wrong with planting another tree close by. That's Shelley from Ashington. Thank you very much for your call there. And we'll go to Scott from Colchester. Hello, Scott. We're talking aces. Is that right? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. First of all, I would actually like to say that I actually put my grass seed down in November. And did it year. take all right? Uh, it went dormant. Yep. Um, and it came back in January and now it's like, it looked really nice. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, I, mean, I have done that before now, yes. It's, I mean, gra- no, grass no, is... I've, not, I've never done it before. I just got fed uh... up looking at the mud and just thought, right, I'll chuck it down. <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> um, but it's actually coming through now, so, you know, I'm happy with that. I've just got to finish off the rest yeah. of it. But it's a anyway, what can um, we do with your Acer then? What I've got is, um, well, what it is, is I bought an Acer. It was in memory of my little sister and my pet Labrador that passed away. Um... Then I moved, but I wanted to take the ACL with me, so I pulled it up. I didn't break no roots. I put it in a bag. I put new soil in it, and I moved it, and I planted it into a friend's garden until, obviously, we got settled and sorted the garden out. Okay. It, didn't, it, it actually hasn't taken for about two and a half years. This year, I've gone round, and it started to get buds on it. Yep. The question I want to ask you is, can I move it? <laughs> oh. Oh, you're cruel. So what bit about the fact that the tree sulked for two years after you moved it last time? Do you think it's going to sort of appreciate it more? Why do you want... First question, I suppose, before we make any judgment on this, why do you want to move it? Um, Because it's not in my garden. Obviously, it's in a friend's garden, but I put it there temporarily, so it didn't get... Oh, sorry, I see. Yeah, right. Yeah, sorry, I missed Um, that. If you were careful... Now I want to bring it back home, if you can understand what I'm saying. No, no, I'm sorry, I probably missed the point about it. I've done the memorial garden, and obviously that that is what I want as my feature. Now, the you thing know, with it, it's a, it's getting a bit late for moving them um, now, but it's not too late. Yeah. Bud, it's they? not too late, but it's like Ken says, it's coming into bud. And you think, yeah. hmm, that's really telling you something. It's saying, I'm about to grow. And what it needs is roots. Um, what I would recommend you do, if you can wait till the autumn, well, well the win- next oh, winter. I've waited only three years. So I know, but but if you, no, I've got to say, if, you, if your friends are amenable to this, go around there this time of the year and dig a trench around it, just a bit wider than right. the crown of the tree, 
and put a load of um, nice friable compost, good quality compost. You could even buy yeah. some compost if you want to, or if you've got compost heap, mix it in with the soil, put it back into there, and dig that down to about a spade's depth around it. Because that means, and, and like I say, you, 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 the root ball, uh, when you lift it then, will have a lot of fibrous root around the outside, and that's what's yeah. really important for it to re-establish. Okay? That's great. So, I mean, that's, that's what I would recommend you do. Do some preparation now. Because I think last time it sounds like I'm not making any judgment. It sounds like you had to sort of like you know move it in haste, which is probably because yeah, I, I, did, yeah. I did put it up quite fast. Yeah, yeah, I did yeah. so I mean the thing is the, 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 pla- the white um, the white roots that were on it did come away, but obviously I was just yeah. looking at the main roots that were coming from like so, the so it sounds like the, like the plant the, the base like you know yeah. yeah the plant for the last two years has been going oh you know so yeah. now that it started to recover, be nice to it you know make a plan to move yeah. it and i know it, it is sort of saying oh, you're not gonna have it for this year but you, know, you can always attend the rest of the memorial garden and then put that in because it'd be a shame if you yeah. if you sort of central piece in that was just uh killed yeah. off by you know, inappropriate by, by, by being too eager yeah does that help yeah, you then the, the other thing was is can i take a cutting from an ACO? obviously if i don't want to move it you know they're happy no. enough to honestly there, honestly is there on... a way to move it or just take a cutting no, no, they don't really take from They cuttings, don't take so. from cuttings. You can graft no. them, but then but that's a, a skill in its own right. You have to have the right rootstock to graft them onto. And things like yeah, that, so. yeah, definitely. Yeah. No, okay. I'll okay. do that. I'll do, I'll do the trench. Thank you very much. We'll be back to your calls, text, emails shortly. But let's take a final look at the top tips Mick has for us this week. Well, this time of the year, of course, we, um, we start to become conscious of the fact that our plants are coming along. And, of course, things want to eat them. Slugs have been the, uh, the menace up until now. But March and warming weather, especially we've had a couple of weeks of uh, where it's been reasonably mild. They'll be out and about. Slugs aren't really the biggest issue now. It's the snails. Snails are by far the more damaging of the two. Mm. And a lot of people sort of think, oh, all oh, snails have got in my garden. They hibernate. Slugs don't. Slugs stay active all the time. But snails, they just get curled up in that little shell and they hibernate for the winter. And so it's, it's really have to be out on your watch for them. Enthusiasts might go out with a torch in the garden at night trying to seek them all out. You know, no, but, not me. But try traps and things like that. You, you can use baits. There are some baits which are much more environmentally friendly than the old slug pellets. But um, there's all sorts of traps and barriers and things you can try. They are going to be a, a nuisance every year that you're involved in gardening, every season. They are a, a problem, especially problematic on new emerging growth. So anything you've planted... Um, so if you put in the hardy annuals, sweet peas, herbaceous perennials, even some of the, uh, the vegetables in the garden, make sure that you give some protection. So they are. That's, look out for your snails. And what else are we going to do at well, this time Well, because we mentioned vegetables. Oh, I mean, yeah. This time of the year, it's, um, of course, we, you see in the garden centres all these uh, nice enticing little bags of uh, things like shallots and, um, Ooh, and yes. um, onion sets. And um, also uh, potatoes, if you if you haven't already got those out on the shed roof in the egg box or whatever to try and um, make sure you chick them, um, you can chick the potatoes now. It's probably about time for uh, chitting second earlies now, as I said. You should have really chitted the early ones, and you can get them out um, reasonably early down here. Um, always, I would say, if you've got an allotment, grow earlies and um, don't bother with the mid-seasons and lates, really. Earlies are the ones that taste nice, aren't they? They taste nice, but also, by the time you get your mid-seasons and lates, there's loads of them in the shops at a price which everyone can afford. You know, so you sort of think about it. You might as well grow some uh, more enticing things for that middle of the summer period. But certainly a, a good time to uh, get potatoes out. And uh, with onions, of course, cassettes, you can either put them straight out into the ground. My tip would be, because birds sometimes whip them out. They do. Start them off in module trays in a cold frame or a glass house. And as soon as they've rooted in and started to grow, put those out, because the birds will find those harder to pull out. The, the, the birds don't eat them. We just pull them out. I have no idea why. So they are. There's a couple of tips from Mick. And um, don't forget, tips are here every week on the BBC podcast. Beryl from Leon C., uh, she has called to say, is Aftercut good for my lawn? Now, Aftercut, I believe, is one of the many products that you can feed your lawn Indeed, with. Indeed, other products and are I'm available. I'm sure <laughs> other products are just as good as Aftercut. Personally, I've not used it. No. You haven't? No. I haven't used it. I haven't got a lawn, though. You so. haven't got a lawn, yeah. so you haven't used it. So yeah. the answer is it's as good as many other. We don't personally know. But i tell you what, Beryl, you use it and let us know. And yeah. we can then tell... Everybody that you thought it was good. We're going to go back to the phones now. And we're going to talk to, I think, I've just, I can't quite, you won't believe this, but I can't read the screen. Is it Ron from Bishop's Hall? Yes. Hello, yeah, Ron. That's right, yeah. Tra- what weeds are you trying to get rid of? It's called knapweed. 
Na- napweed? Is it in your lawn? Is it in the grass? It's in the grass, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like a blue thistle-like flower that yeah, comes yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. When it dies, because... it goes very hard. Mm. Yeah, quite pretty when it flowers, but we won't go into that. No. Um, <laughs> you're trying to get rid of it. Well, yeah. So let, so I mean, if, it, if it's in a lawn, you're not cutting very often. That's where you, you'll tend to um, to find it. If, if you're regular mowing of a lawn, usually deals with things. There's nap weed likes to grow a bit taller. It's like one of the sort of, it's a bit like, it's yeah. like a perennial cornflower, really. Um, so it should deal with it, but as, I think as Ken was going to say... I think you're going to have to use a selective weed killer. Yeah. Let's see that you buy a lawn weed killer. You can buy ready-to-use, mm. which will be your best, and then because they've got quite a... You can see the see the weed quite easily, mm. you would then just go around and just spray that weed. I think... You see, lawns are growing, weeds are growing. I reckon you could use it now. Yeah, certainly Ron. March is about the earliest yeah. you'd really want to put it down. All right, Ron? Yeah, OK, lovely. But yeah, use a liquid. I'm, I'm terrible because I get into trouble. But we were just saying over that last suggestion on what, what do you feed your lawn with. A feed and weed is not the best way of getting rid of a specific weed. You are no. better with a lawn weed killer that you actually treat that weed with. But see, it's a lawn yeah. weed killer. All right then, Rob. Okay. Yeah, lovely. Thanks very much. That's a pleasure. And we go to Malcolm. No, we go to Malcolm in Great Bellow. Hello, Malcolm. Hello. Hi. What can we do for you, Malcolm, today? Right. A north-facing fence. Yep. I want something to just climb up a trellis. I've tried what they call north-facing roses. I've tried north-facing clematis, bought from a local reputable um, garden centre. Mm-hmm. Neither of them work. Well, I've grown. Actually, I, actually I've grown. I've grown. On a west facing fence, it grew fine. I've grown successfully on north facing clematis. Um, oh, hang on, uh, Wisley cream. Yeah, was uh, was uh, clematis serosa. Serosa is, um, I, is I, actually I a winter flowering one. The winter flowering. Sorry. Clematis. Wisley cream. Uh, Wisley cream. Yes, yeah, speckles. They're all serosa type. Yeah. Yeah. If you put speckles down, it'll, uh, they'll, and they'll know. They'll know what that is, yeah, because cirrhosis is a bit difficult to. Uh, yeah, so call it smell. speckles. That will definitely grow on north facing. You could put hydrangea petioloris. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hold on, hold on. Hydrangea. I shall ask now called hydrangea oh. anomala. Yeah, I still change its it, name. It's changed its name again, but <laughs> can most you, can people. You spell know. that? Uh, hydrangea. So well, you know, call it, call it, it climbing, climbing, climbing hydrangea. hydrangea yeah, but, climbing but, hydrangea. But it's, uh, anomala. Uh, A-N-O-M-A-L-A. Anomala. And I bet you most of the labels it's still saying. But it's artist, yeah, yeah, probably, yeah. Call it climbing hydrangea. Um, another self-holding um, one would be Gary Elliptica. Mm. That would work. Yeah, that, 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 that's a, a wall, sh- a, a, a wall a shrub, shrub rather than a, a climber, yeah. But you could do that. You could use yeah, that. I, want it, I want it like flat climbing. Yeah. Uh, there's also the um, the, the um, uh, honeysuckle. The um, it's now it's changed its name as well. The um, uh, Lanicera um, acuminata, uh, which used to be Lanicera henryi. But henryi would yeah. work quite well. Yeah, but that's a, an evergreen one, and it's um, it, it, it flowers um, it has flowers which are not great flowers in fairness, but the berries are really quite uh, decorative on it. How about I'm, that? I'm happy with that. I've got Wisley, speckles, hydrangea, and the Mara, and the last one. Gary, Garia, Gary. Think of Gary, Garia, Garia, and then you've got the honeysuckle Henry eye. How about that? I will get on with that. Okay. okay. Thank <laughs> you very much. That's Malcolm's going to let us know how he gets on with that. And don't forget, you can quickly give us a call on 0800 and we'll squeeze your call in. Uh, we have got time to do that for you. Um, I promised to answer Ed, and I haven't actually got to Ed. And Ed is asking, um, his son planted a fuchsia in a shaded area in his garden last year. It looks dead. Can it be saved? I don't reckon it is dead because they've well, hardly started sprouting, I have think they? What, the question is, is it looks dead, can it be saved? If it is dead, no. All right, but if, what he's got to do really uh, is the first thing you do is scrape the bark on the, uh, the, the branches there because if there's any sort of uh, slight suggestion of green under there, it's okay. It'll come back from there. Even ones which have died off at the surface sometimes come from the base. So if it is all dead, rather than yank it all out, cut it back down, just leave a couple little sticks there so you can see where it is and see if it starts to shoot from the base. Uh, it's always best to have a bit of patience because even some of the, the not really hardy fuchsias are capable of surviving below ground through most winters. 
Uh, the picture of the Red Robin has come through. It's upside down, but we'll, we can live with that, can't we? It doesn't look that bad, actually, does it, that Red Robin? Most most of it looks fine, yeah. It's just like it's on that one side. I'd be uh, inclined to... Um, you know what I to, think? I wonder that Could that be virus-affected? It could be. Uh, there's something which has affected it locally on the thing. So whether it's a, a root-based problem or... It's difficult to say, Feed. Really. Yeah. Feed will help, but again, yeah. you need to get feed in... Um, who was that? I'm trying to think who it was. William Tilby? Was it Tilby? Yeah. Okay. I think you spoke to us um, earlier. The lady spoke to us, didn't mm, you, about mm. it? I'm, I think that's the one. Um, so they are. Um, needs a good feed, doesn't it? Red Robin, when compared to the one next door, what feed would you recommend? I'd use something like a seaweed base, which is like a bit of a sort of cure, isn't it? Yeah. The thing with seaweed-based foods as well, if you've actually got some liquid seaweed food, you can actually dilute it to about a quarter of the recommended strength for, for applying it to the soil. And you can spray it over the leaves when it's growing. You can do that two or three times a week. It year. really helps. It, it? It's amazing. Folio feed will work, but you need to do it two or three times. It's a bit of a cumulative effect. Okay, we've got one here. All my box bushes suffer from blight last year. Patches of dead foliage everywhere. I am in the process of digging them all up and giving them to the council waste not growing, uh, growing them again. Am I being too pessimistic with this approach? A lot of people actually can find that you can grow them out of that by feeding again yeah. with liquid seaweed. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, it doesn't actually kill them off completely, no. but they don't look they too They look good. horrible. There's been a lot of um, uh, sort of there's big searches on at the moment for the substitute for box, and you realise why box is such a good plant for it, because nothing quite ticks all the boxes uh, so to speak, no, as box. I mean you've got Ilex Cronata, but yeah. that doesn't like all soils. Yeah, there's an upright um, Euonymus as well, which I can't think of the uh, something it's green. Some, it's, I can't think what it is. It's yeah. a green pillar or something. But I mean, there's that. There's that one. There's that. Also, some of the Hebes have been suggested. Hebes live for only a short period, is the thing, you know. So I mean, there's. It's, would you gig them out, or would you? You see, I'd have another crack at them for another year. I think it depends really what um, how bad uh, how bad it was and, and what effect is wanted. Because sometimes for some of us, we think oh, it's worthwhile persevering, see if we can bring the thing back round. Um, but then you know, it depends if it's right at the front of his house or on display, or if he just simply can't stand the sight of them. Maybe he ought to try something else because it's the effort involved with that sometimes doesn't um, necessarily give the reward. So I think it's a personal choice, really. I don't think I should say whether he should or shouldn't pull them out. But, but it depends on their position. But yeah. the thing to use is a seaweed-based yeah, fertiliser. Give them a good feed, yeah. Um, morning, chaps. First time spud grower is best to grow in a bucket or compost grow bag. In a bucket or compost grow bag, spuds. Depends how well, big the bucket is, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, do you know the thing is, you can actually um, you can grow them in... I've actually grown them in um, plastic like fertiliser or compost bags, the big 80-litre size ones. And what you do is you plant them into the bottom of this in the compost and you just keep on mulching them up as they grow up. And you get um, small potatoes, you get new potatoes doing that way. So you, if you're growing things like earlies and second earlies, you know, to produce small potatoes, that's a good way of doing it. It's also a good way, if you've got a few um, early potatoes, keep them in the fridge um, and, and do this in the summer, chip them in the summer when you wouldn't normally you, put them in. You get it for Christmas, yeah. can't yeah, you? Yeah. yeah. So, but the, I, I'm a great favour of uh, bags because then you just fold the bags up, stick them in the um, the shed somewhere and, uh, out of the way and you can use them again next year. Um, buckets and things like that will work. You can grow things in containers. But one thing is always worth saying about potatoes in um, containers or in bags or anything like that, because potatoes tend to be smaller and the plants usually go over more quickly than they would outside. They don't produce the big potatoes. So it's no good for things like main crops, things like that, in my view anyway. In your view. But grow them in anything. Ah, talking of grow more, does it keep potency over a few years? I've got a large tub of it and only use a small amount each year. You, uh, if you keep it dry, As yes. long as it's in a tub, those yeah. sealed tubs, yeah. no problem at yeah. all, is it? Yeah, because... I mean, all of us at some time have come across that sack of fertiliser in the shed at work or something like that, where it's been opened or it's just been, and you, you pick it up and it's like cement. You know, literally so solid. if it's like so, cement, it's yeah. lost a lot of its ability Don't of use helping. It. Yeah, but, so keep it dry. Um, good morning, gents. Uh, oh, we're being called gents by several people, aren't we? Um, Coleus caninus, uh, cat deterrent plant, has suffered in the frost. Oh, it's that cat off or something mm -hmm, they called it, mm -hmm. didn't they? I can't remember. Pee off. Yeah, that's yeah. its name. Its yeah. common name was Peoff, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, is it an annual plant? Thanks, Sue. I think it's a half hardy. 
Yeah, I think a lot of plants which are actually, we regard as annuals, are actually in the native range, uh, or the ancestors of the, uh, the cultivars we grow, are perennials. But um, an awful lot of our bedding plants are uh, perennials, but we only grow them as annuals because they just won't withstand the, the, the whole, whole year-round cycle outside. So really wait and see. Yeah. yeah. Don't know uh, is the answer. I, I, like I said, I don't know the, um, How the, hard without looking that one up. No. Nope. Because we answer all the questions off the top of our heads here, we don't look it up. No. (laughs) Anne from West Mersey, how can we help you down in West Mersey, Anne? Oh, hello. Um, I've got a. You got the radio. You got the radio in the background. I can hear as well. Sorry. (laughs) Anne. Better now. That's it. Hang on. I'm here now. Right. I'm a bit late. I've got a large catenus, which we're planning to prune. I noticed that one of the bigger branches is actually split. Mm-hmm. Yep. On the main stem, and I'm wondering whether to whether we need to cut that off or we can bandage it up. Well, no, don't don't try and don't try and do any surgery like that. It won't work. I mean, the the, the thing with cutinas, you can cut them back to um, a coppice, to a stump, and they will grow back from it. It'll take about oh, two right. or three years before we get to a reasonable size. If you've got something where you've got a major structural problem, like a big split branch, which if you cut it out it will then look disproportionate. Sometimes mm. it's as well to just think, right, we'll just we'll cut it all back. I'm going to say to a stump. I mean, you, you, you keep some shortish branches, but you can cut them back so that it will then grow up in a better framework. You'll get a lot of uh, regrowth in the first year, which you have to thin out a bit the following winter and the winter after that. Yeah. But by the third year, you'll have quite a, 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 a handsome shrub again. It will grow reasonably quickly compared to putting a new cutinus in. So you can cut it down fairly, the rest of it, because it's quite big, fairly severely, you're saying. Yes, you can do, yes. It's, can, it's a possibility, yeah. It's a possibility. Well, I'd like to thank you very much for joining us, Mick. We'll, we'll catch up with you fairly soon. Thanks very much for listening to the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast. If you missed any of the answers to the questions we gave, you can download this programme and take it with you on the BBC Sounds app. Don't forget... If you have a gardening question for us, why not give us a call on 0800 4041 and be part of the programme every Saturday morning on BBC Essex from 11. 